Hallelujah. All right. We're continuing on with our discipleship training. Hallelujah. All right. So, um, as always, we're going to enter into the world of Scripture via poem. It says, Welcome to my world. Place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices, and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here, swords are likened to the word, or demons of bird, the dead are yet alive, and the living are actually dead. Blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor, and the poorer one becomes, they're later found to be that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place. But the Yasin world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears, and get ready to listen. For real, Congregation is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. All right, so um, we are exploring the story of Israel. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so as they say, let's take it from the top. Hallelujah. All right, so we're talking about Israel. You know, Israel plays a pivotal role, an essential role throughout Scripture. You know, um, very central role. You know, and without understanding Israel and the story of Israel, we will not understand our story. Mm -hmm. We will not understand Yah's plan. We will not understand the purpose of his plan. You know, we won't understand, you know, the plot he's he's utilizing in order to accomplish his plan. You know, so this is a very, very important lesson. You know, and the um, same story is told elsewhere, but nowhere else is it as illuminating as it is in the story of Israel. Amen. Alright, so Israel, you know, was and is the son of Elohim. Amen. You know, and so we all have hopes of becoming sons and daughters of Elohim ourselves, right? You know, so this makes this an essential it's such an essential thing to understand, you know. And so we spoke about Israel and, and being the son of Elohim and how you can be a native-born Israelite, you know. You can be a native-born Israelite or you can be one that becomes Israel or is becoming Israel, you know. doesn't matter, you know, how you become Israel, um, as long as you become Israel, right? So it doesn't matter if you're native-born or you're a stranger, as long as you become Israel, as long as you get in, you're good. Now it's important to understand that Israel is the only nation that Yah works with. Hmm. Yeah, so many... Um, would be Christians that don't understand this. You know, and they think Israel is some old thing and it's outdated and it's over and done. But in all actuality, Israel is the only nation that God has ever dealt with and the only nation that he ever will deal with. And those who follow the Messiah 
if they truly follow him, if they truly are a part of him, then they are also truly Israelites. Because he's the king of only one nation. And that's Israel. Rightful heir to the throne of David. You know, so we went over how one become Israel. We said um, you have to understand that Yaakov, whose name means a supplanter, wrestled with and supplanted the angel of Elohim at Penuel. Thereby, Yaakov received a new name. That is, he received a new nature. And that new nature was Israel. That new nature, that new name was Israel. Now, this new nature is that of an angel, i.e., the servant of Elohim sent forth to serve Yah by doing his bidding. Hence we find Israel depicted as Yah's servant. You know, because you know, the son is, the heir is no different than than a servant even though he's the heir of all. You know, a son is no different than a servant even though he's heir of all. You know, scripture says so, you know, we see Israel spoken of as a servant. Consider Isaiah 49 3. You know, Isaiah 49 Three and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. You know, and also Isaiah 41 8, but thou, Israel, art my servant, Yaakov, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. You know, so I want you to see that Israel was and is a servant to Yah as well. So even as angels are the sons of Elohim, so is Israel a son of Elohim and also a servant of Elohim. You know, Exodus 4, and 23 says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith Yahuwah, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So he is the son of Elohim. Check. And I say unto thee, Let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. Mm. You know, so we see that Israel is the son of Elohim, even the firstborn of Elohim. And he's also a servant of Elohim. Hallelujah. You know, and so this is very important because so many people, you know, so many would-be Christians would grab hold you know, to Yahshua and think, you know, um, because it says Yahshua has set them free, that they're free. You know, and they are, but not in the sense that they think. They're free to choose whom they're going to serve. You know, they don't have to no longer, you know, serve the cruel taskmaster. They can now choose Yahshua, whose yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now take note, he still has a yoke and he still has a burden, meaning that you still have to serve. You're not free to do whatever it is you please. You still are a servant. You will forever be a servant as long as as long as you're you're um, you're alive. But you get to choose whose servant you're gonna be. Understand that whereas Yaakov is a wrestler, Israel is an overcomer. Whereas Yaakov speaks to the outer physical man, Israel speaks to the inner or spiritual man. Hence, Israel is as the angels are, that is eternal. When we look in scripture, we find uh, scriptures speaking to Israel as, as being eternal. Consider 2 Samuel um, 7, 20, 23 and 24, my first reader, please. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people 
even like Israel, whom Elohim went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible, for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel, to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Yahuwah, art become their Elohim. Hallelujah. So we see Israel as to be a people to Yah forever. There's no other nation that's spoken of um, in that fashion. Uh, before you pass it off, Jory, one, um, okay, one more, Isaiah 45, 17 and 18. But Israel shall be saved in Yahuwah with an everlasting salvation. He shall not be ashamed nor confounded, world without end. For thus saith Yahuwah that created the heavens, Yahuwah himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it, not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am Yahuwah, and there is none else. Hallelujah. So again, we see that Israel is to be saved with an everlasting salvation. You know, so Israel is eternal. eternal. It's just a, um, the, uh, the thing is whether or not we're going to be a part of it. You know, so lastly, understanding Yahweh, the physical man, chosen of Elohim together with Israel, the spiritual man, servant and son of Elohim, represent as Adam did, a many-member body who was likewise both a physical and spiritual man of Elohim. You know, and so this is what we are to seek to be individually as well as corporately. You know, and it's, and this is what the story of Israel teaches us. So, for those of who have made it, mm. welcome to Israel. Now, before you get comfortable, you know, we also learned that you can lose your citizenship. So, once you become an Israelite, doesn't mean you are you always forever remain an Israelite. You can do some things that will cause you to lose your citizenship. You know, there are some things that you can do whereby you'll be cut off from your people. You'll be cut off from Israel. You know, so you have to be cognizant of what those things are and you have to, you know, walk within the, um, the parameters for that not to happen. Now, if you become an Israelite, eventually you'll have to go through an Egypt-type Egypt experience, you know. And Israel and Egypt, you know, spoke to Israel being in a place of learning. You know, Egypt speaks to the word. It speaks to the letter of the word um, um, in particular, you know, but it also speaks to learning. You know, um, even uh, even worldly knowledge, if you would. You know, so we have to go and learn. You know, Genesis forty six two says, and Elohim spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Yaakov, Yaakov, and he said, Here am I. Verse three goes on to say, and he said, I am Elohim, the Elohim of your father. Fear not to go down into Mizraim, for I, I, for I will there make of you a great nation. So we all have to go through Mitzrayim because Yah has a work that he's doing 
you know, and it involves us going through there so that we can become a great nation, so that we can learn what we need to learn, you know, and become a great nation. You know, now, with knowing what spiritual Egypt is, it helps us to see, you know, um, more clear, you know, our learning stage, you know. Now, I know you guys are disciples um, at this point, you know, uh, so someone tell me what spiritual is right, uh, the spiritual Mizraim is. Jerusalem. Jerusalem, absolutely. You know, and so this is where the priest, you know, um, taught from, this they taught from the temple, you know, and so this is truly where all of Israel had to go to learn. You know, and so they were commanded to go there at least three times a year, you know, for the feast. You know, and so that was so that they might learn of Yah. You know, but they weren't to stay there forever. At some point, they would have to leave. You know, and this exodus, if you would, you know, was a type of baptism, you know, for them. You know, and so it teaches us what the next stage of our journey is. You know, so we come out of that, out of um, Mitzrayim, spiritual Mitzrayim, you know, and we have to go through the Exodus. We have to go through a type of baptism. And this is why you see the baptism, you know, um, in the Brit Karashah, you know, which is just a, an emulation of what Israel did, you know. But ultimately, it brings you into the wilderness experience. And there are several things that happens during the wilderness experience. You know, and so many people want to just jump over the wilderness experience. You cannot. You can't jump over the wilderness experience. You know, now that you, you know, Done went through what you done went through to become Israel, you have to be proven. And that's what the wilderness experience is all about. You have to be proven. Yah is not just taking you at your word. You can forget about it. He already know your heart and, and how it's utterly wicked. He's not going to take you at your word because he knows out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaker. You know, so he's not going to believe what you say. He's going to prove you. And that's what the wilderness experience is about. You know, so we all have to go through the wilderness experience. And while in the wilderness experience, we're going to receive some manna. We're going to receive some manna from heaven. Amen? Mm -hmm. And so, we spoke about this manna. Mm -hmm. We spoke about what it was and what it represented. Mm -hmm. You know, and we concluded that manna was physical food. And truly it was, you know, it came down from the heavens, it was physical food. You know, the Messiah would be um, can, um, quoted saying that, you know, your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and did die, you know. But, you know, he says that the bread that he gives would be, would be the true bread of life, that of which if a man ate, he would never die, you know, and so... You know, this manna spoke to physical food, and we talked about how this manna actually spoke to Torah. 
you know, but a particular part of Torah. And the Almana spoke to the oral Torah. The oral Torah, um, the part of Torah that would be done away with, even as the manna would be done away with and, and was done away with, right? And so, if we continue in our wilderness experience, after dealing with the manna, we're eating the manna, you know, um, we get to where we're about to starve. And that's interesting, too, because, you know, Yah is, he's proven you in this wilderness experience, you know, and he will let you think that you're going to starve to death. And this is exactly what he did. You know, he let them go three days with, without eating in the wilderness, in the desert, you know, and they were sure they were going to starve to death. And just when they thought, you know, doom was, was um, evident, he brought manna from heaven. You know, what do we learn from that? For one, we learn that Yah will provide a miracle when you most need one. He don't just go around throwing miracles around just because. You know, he provides the miracle because there's a need. It also shows that, you know, he'll take you to the brink of death in order to prove you. So, how steadfast are thee? How long will you wait on Yah? Because he's going to see. He's going to take you to the last moment. And so many people falter. But we're to learn from their mistakes. And we're to hold on. We're not to make the same mistakes that they did. You know, so, you know, hold on. You know, he'll also, you know, make you think you're going to die from thirst. Because after the manna, you know, later on, we look up and here it is. Israel thought they were going to die from thirst in their wilderness experience. And just when they sure that they were about to die, he provided water for them. Even water from the rock. <laughs> you know, another Yasa miracle, but it came at another time when they were in the most need. Came at a time when they sure they were going to die. They, they were just sure they were going to die of thirst. And Yah brings water from the rock. <laughs> you know, now, what was the true water from the rock? What was the rock? And what was the water? If thou canst tell. Any disciples want to take a shot at it? Yeah, who's the rock? The rock. Yeah, who's the rock? Oh, the <laughs> I like that kid. Truth. Um, truth. truth. <laughs> commandments are truth as well. You know. uh, First Corinthians 10 4 tells us, you know, the rock was said, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. 
and The Rock was Mashiach. So, we know what The Rock was, but again, what is the fascinating symbolism of water in the Bible? And Young Yeshi, he told us it's, it's truth. And it, and it is. You know. But this water here in particular, it speaks to speaks to truth but it speaks to something else in relation in relation to that the living water yes but where does the living water come from that's it the Ruach HaKodesh that's where the living water that is the symbol of the living water you know don't believe me? I know you don't. Let's go to Yochanan 7, 38 and 39. <laughs> it says, He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Ruach, which they that believe on him shall receive. For Ruach Kadesh was not yet given, because that Yahushua was not yet glorified. So we see that it's the Ruach Kadesh that is likened unto those rivers of living water you know and this river of living water that came from the rock was a symbol of the Ruach Kodesh that would come from Yahshua because Yahshua symbolized the rock and the water symbolized the Ruach Kodesh that would come from Yahshua after the rock was struck and this is why Moshe and Aaron couldn't get in to the kingdom because they struck the the next time they struck the rock twice when they was just supposed to speak to it. Right. Yahshua is not coming to get struck again. He's coming to do some striking. Amen? You know, so I pray that you can see that the rock represents Yahshua. The water that came from the rock spiritually represents the rock Kodesh. You know, um, and the Ruach Kadesh is the spirit of truth. So, that said, I have one for the would-be disciples. What was Israel's pre-yarding spiritual war? Now that you know what the spiritual water represent? What was Israel's old spiritual water? All right, we have Torah. Uh, not quite. Read C. But I'm read C. Nah. That was actual physical water. Um, so, we know that the spiritual water, the spiritual water, you know, 
in the brick Karasha was represented by Ruach Kadesh, right? So what was Israel's spiritual water? Mm-hmm. Where my students at? Cloud by cloud by day and pillar of fire by night. That is a that's a good guess. Wrong, but it was a good guess. <laughs> good guess all the same. It'd be Joshua. Moshe, Joshua. Absolutely not. Not Moshe, definitely not Joshua, and definitely not Jericho. <laughs> All right, I don't think nobody's going to get it. You want to say something? Nah, you don't know. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll present the answer. It's found in Exodus 23, 20 through 28. It says, Behold! I send an angel before thee. The Ruach Kadesh is an angel, is it not? The spirit of truth. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods nor serve them nor do after their works. For thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve Yahuwah your Elohim, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast, there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of the days I will that the number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite and the Canaanite and the Hittite from before thee. You know, and so this angel can be likened unto Ruach Kadesh, that was the spiritual water for born again Israel. This was the spiritual water. For physical Israel. Or first Israel. You know, so. As you can see. They both. Yah. Assigned both of them. An angel to go before them. And to lead and guide them into. Into everything that they needed. In order to overcome. And to help them overcome. Amen. Mm -hmm. Alright, so if we continue on, we find ourselves battling with the Amalekites. I love this story. This is a good story right here. You know, but this is this is a definitely a pivotal, you know, uh part of the 
wilderness experience. You know, it's a very important part of the wilderness experience. It's found in um, Exodus, uh, what did I say, 8 through 16? Yes. Yeah. I didn't think it started way back in 8, but anyway. <laughs> Um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 27, 17 through 19 says, remember what Amalek did unto thee, by the way. Now, let's stop right there. We're going to stop right there. Whenever you see scripture tell you to remember something, <laughs> that's something you best remember. You can count on one hand how many times it tells you to remember something. But you ask most people, they don't remember Amalek. Most would swear they never even heard of the guy. <laughs> but Yah tells us to remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way. And the reason he tells us is because we need to know. The reason he tells us to remember is because we need to know. Why do we need to know? Because there's an essential lesson to be learned in this story mm. and if you haven't learned it before we're going to learn it today mm. and prayerfully from now on you will remember Amalek and what he did unto Israel by the way mm. verse 18 goes on to say how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee even all that were feeble behind thee when thou was faint and weary, mm. and he feared not Elohim. Mm. Therefore, it shall be when Yahuwah thy Elohim have given thee rest from all thine enemies round about in the land that Yahuwah thy Elohim gives thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Thou shalt not forget it. Now, mind you, that if we go back and we look at the nations that Yah was sending Israel in to cut off, Amalek is not mentioned. <laughs> the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, there's nothing about Amal the Amalekites in there, is it? Amalek. He chose to make himself an enemy of Elohim. Mm. He chose to pick on Yah's people. And you pick on Yah's people, you picking on Yah. You know, now the key is when he picked on them and where he picked on them. You know, and so that's, that's key to keep in mind. Now, Let's get into this Amalekite, um, the Amalek, and, you know, and, and see what we can learn from it. So the Amalekite symbolized thirsty dogs. You know, they symbolize thirsty dogs. You know, and you know they're they're actually a, a picture. You know, uh, Amalek Amalek literally means like, you know, one who 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 laps up or the one who's who's Lapping or, or like panting, mm. you know. You you know you see a dog and he's panting. He has his tongue sticking out, yep. and he's you know gasping for breath, trying to cool cool himself down. Mm. You know, 
So this is the picture that that is Amalek. Mm. So he symbolizes like a thirsty dog. Mm. You know, now, and dogs, you know, they will lack up anything when they're thirsty, even blood. Mm. And they oftentimes lack up blood when they're when they're killing too, you know, um, when they're killing their prey. Now consider First Kings twenty two thirty eight. It says, "And one washed the chariot of the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood, and they washed his armor, according to the word of Yahuwah which he spake." Now this is talking about King Ahab, you know, and, and Yah had prophesied this against King Ahab, you know, um, that you know that he would be that the dogs would lick his blood, and it came to pass. And so, you know, this is the epitome of what Amalek does. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, you know, um, dogs in, in turn depict the assembly of the wicked. You know, dogs depict the assembly of the wicked who tear with their mouths. This is how dogs attack. They attack, they attack with their mouths. They tear with their mouths. So, you know, I want you to keep that in mind, you know, uh, because this is how Amalek works. Now, dogs, you know, also are a symbol of the wicked. We read in Psalms twenty-two sixteen: "For dogs have compassed me; the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me; they pierce my hands and my feet." You know, now, so. This is a huge lesson for the would-be Israelite. Understand who the Amalekites in your life are mm -hmm. and how to defeat them. Mm -hmm. You know, and so to identify them, consider that they attack when you're faint and weary. They're not going to attack you when you're strong. And they're not going to attack you face to face. They attack you from the back. You ever had a friend that stabbed you in the back? Maybe he was an Amalekite. You know, they attack you from the back. And they, they tear at you when you're faint and when you're weary, when you're in a low, low spot, when you're down. You understand? This is how you're able to tell the Amalekites in your life. You know, you look at when you're down or when you were down and who it was that first attacked you. Who was the first one that tore at you with their mouths? Who was who put their mouth on you? Who was talking about you, you know, behind your back mm. when you were down? Can you see Amalek in that? Yep. He attacks from the back. He tears with his mouth. You know, this is a very clear picture of someone who attacks you with words behind your back. Amalek. You know, so understand who the Amalekites are in your life. You know, because they will cause problems. But let's learn how to defeat them. That's found in Exodus 17, 8 through 14. Uh, verse 8 says, Then Amalek, then came Amalek 
and fought with Israel in Rephidim. You know, first of all, I guess I should mention that before Yah brought the water from a rock and Israel was, you know, was thinking they were going to die of thirst, they began murmuring and they began to go against, you know, the leaders of Israel, you know, Moshe and Aaron. You know, and after y'all brought the water from the rock, then they they were attacked. You know, so the picture that's being painted is that when they were murmuring against Yah in the form of murmuring against the leadership that he's put in place, they opened the door for Amalek's attack. You know, that's important to understand, too, you know, because, you know, <clears throat> you want to look at the whole situation, 360 degrees, you know. Now, he they fought with Israel and Rephidim. Now, Rephidim, you know, oh, Amalek also means a valley dweller, you know, which goes right along with with what was being said, you know, they attack you when you're down. Mm -hmm. Hence, they come from behind, you know, and they attack you when you're weak and weary. They don't attack the part of you that's strong. They attack the part of you that's weak. So they're going to talk about your shortcomings. They're going to talk about where you mess up at. They're not going to talk about all the great stuff that you did. Or, you know, when you were standing strong. They attack in Rephidim. Rephidim speaks to balusters, which is a type of support. You know, it speaks to something that's the bottom. It speaks to, to refresh or, or support. So they attack you when you're trying to be get refreshed, when you're trying to get support, when you're at the bottom, when you need aid. This is when they attack. You know, this is when Amalek come up against you. Mm. You know, so... It shouldn't be too difficult to figure out who the Amalek is, the Amalekites are in your life. You know, all you have to do is sit back, watch, and listen. You know, um, verse 9 goes on to say, And Moshe said unto, said unto Joshua, um, Moshe said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of Elohim in my hands. So Joshua did as Moshe had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moshe and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moshe held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moshe's hands were heavy. You know, now, hold on, I guess we should stop here. You know, so first of all, verse 9 said, Moshe said unto Joshua, we know Moshe is a type of Yahshua, you know, so imagine Yahshua here. He says unto, unto Joshua, or says unto the body of Yahshua, choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek. You know, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of Elohim in my hand. You know, so if you're going to, you know, imagine, imagine Yahshua doing his part and you doing your part. So... In this, in this sense, you want to be like Moshe. So you want to go up to the top of the hill with the rod in your hand. Now, it says 
when he went up there, when he held his hands up, Israel prevailed. But when he let his hands down, Amalek prevailed. And it speaks about his hands being heavy. You know, verse 12 says, Moshe's hands were heavy and they took a stone and put it under him and they sat thereon and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands the, uh, one on the one side and the other on the other side and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun and Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek under heaven. Alright, so again, we're told to make a memorial out of this this story, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so we want to make certain that we defeat Amalek. So Israel's battle with Amalek was won not because of those that was down there doing the fighting. They played a part. But they, it, the battle was really won up on that rock. Up on that rock where, where Moshe was, right? And we know that that rock represents Yahshua. You know, so if we're going to defeat the Amaleks in our lives, we're not to go punch them out. We're to sit on that rock. We're to sit on Yahshua or stand on Yahshua. And we have to keep our hands up. Now, if you look at his hands, that is the pose of praise. You know, and he has the rod in his hand. You know, and so a lot of people, they will go and they will praise and try to defeat Amalek, but they won't have the rod in their hand. And that rod in the Hebrew is mate. You know, and it speaks to, it speaks to authority. You know, and so he's offering it up to Yah. He's praising Yahweh. He's saying, you know, my, you know, I give my authority to you, Yah. You're my authority. The rod also represents support. Like even, even like uh, support or provision for the family. You know, like the food even that they eat. You know. He's offering it up to Yah. He's saying, Yah, you're my provision. I trust you. I trust my family with you for you to feel. You know, this rod also speaks to support as in to keep you steady. You know, and he's saying, you know, Yah, I trust you to keep me steady. I trust you to hold me up. You know, I trust you you know, to uh, to be my support. Now, we were told that his arms got tired, though. Mm -hmm. And he had Aaron and her to help hold him up. Now, Aaron's name speaks to a light bringer. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, you need someone when you get tired, when you're fighting the Amalekites, and you, your hands are tired, and you... you you, 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 it's hard to keep praising because your hands, you can't hold your hands up anymore. You, you need to get you an Aaron and her. You need to get you a light bringer. You need to get someone that um, y'all put in your life as a light to help you understand yeah. the situation and circumstance mm -hmm. from y'all's viewpoint. 
you know, you need someone to shed some light on the situation. You know, and her, his name speaks to whiteness and, and ultimately speaks to righteousness. So, you know, you need a light bringer, you need a righteous person on your other side. You know, so, you know, this shows us that not only do you need a light bringer, you need also someone that's going to encourage you and help you to stay on the righteous path. You know, because sometimes you, you, you're fighting and, and you want to, you know, you want to win by any means necessary. But Yah's people, Israel, can't win by any means necessary. We have to win by Yah. And the only way we can win by Yah is we have to do things within his parameters. And so the, the way we overcome the Amalekites is we have to have a light bringer shed some light on the situation. And we have to have... A righteous man show us how to walk through that thing righteously and to help us to praise Yah and offer everything that we have unto Yah in praising him and trust him with it. That's how we overcome our enemies. You know, and this is the first battle of Israel. You know, and Yah is he's teaching our hands to war. In this battle, and so this is why we're always to remember Amalek because it's crucial that we learn how to fight the spiritual fight. You know, especially for those who will go into the promised land as spiritual Israel. This is how we fight, y'all. You know, we're not the Israel of old. We're spiritual Israel, so we. We fought a spiritual fight with spiritual enemies where they fought a physical fight with physical enemies. And so this is how we are to win our battles. So this is why we're noted, you know, more than once to remember Amalek. Because within this story, we learn how to fight. We learn how to overcome our enemies. Amen. That's all I have for you today. Pray was blessed. Wow. Yeah. The last slide said it was.